Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. We're going to be talking Formula One car launches from Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes-Benz, McLaren, and Red Bull all this week. We're talking more about Christian Horner. There's been a little bit of updates on that allegation scenario that's going on. And I sat down with Jonathan Green a few minutes ago, about an hour ago. He was in New Zealand at the Formula Regional Oceana Championship wrapping that up. They did the New Zealand Grand Prix, wrapped up the whole series with a whole bunch of Americans down there in that open wheel series. And Jonathan may join us live later in the show. He was jumping on an airplane right before I talked to him or right after I talked to him. And then he's um, he's going to try to join us if he can. But we got plenty to talk about. And we have that little segment that Jonathan and I recorded. But we are going to start with Formula One car launches because... We had one on Monday, Tuesday, a couple on Wednesday, and one on Thursday. It was a nice week, and uh, we're talking the the front of the grid, the sharp end, um, because on Monday, we had Aston Martin. And, um, you know, I, when I saw that car, I was like, okay, uh, let me see if I can tell the difference between last year's. That was just my initial reaction, but I want to get you guys' feedback. Let me check on YouTube, see who's out there today, because... We're going to get y'all's feedback from YouTube today and Facebook. I'll try to have that up as well. Uh, looks like the usual suspects are filing in. and uh, But yeah, on Aston Martin, um, you know, they called it a strong evolution for the revamped AMR 24, 24, 2024 car. Uh, they're calling it a, str a strong evolution. And this is the, uh, you know, last year it was... Amazing with Aston Martin, right? Because they started off gangbusters. Alonso on the podium like crazy, all a whole bunch at the beginning of the season. Then they, their season softened up as McLaren did the opposite. But um, just thinking about the car, just looking at some of the changes, the technical director, Dan Fellows, says that we made changes all over the car. It is very different in many ways. He said the majority of the parts have changed on it, but it's still essentially strong evolution of last year's car. And uh, we kind of built on the end of the MR23 is what he said. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I I, I kind of like the look of all the cars. Maybe, you know, let's let's face it. The Red Bull theme is 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 the theme, the Red Bull design for for very good reason, considering that Red Bull was what half second, three quarters of a second ahead of everybody last year. So I did find it interesting that Fernando Alonso, and I think it was, I think it was actually in the middle of the launch when he was talking about going to Mercedes. Only Alonso, right, guys? It's like he can say and do whatever he wants, but, but, uh, but yeah, he said basically that he said uh, here it is. Here's I, I grabbed this quote. He said there are three fast world champions on the grid. He said referring to himself, Hamilton and Max Verstappen. He said. I am the only one available for, available for 2025. <laughs> True and very Alonzo. So, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, let's see what else on the Aston Martin car that I wanted to talk about. But I don't know. I, um, I, I, would, I would say that, in fact, I'm going to try, if we get time, I'm going to try to rank the cars and the launches. Just a quick little ranking of the car, of the liveries. And the the launches but and as far as the all the technical stuff you know 
I've tried to get into that before, but it's so deep, and I'll let Craig Scarborough and all those experts really do all that stuff because I don't know enough to know what I'm talking about, and they're right in the thick of it. So, but uh, but let's move on. Tuesday came Zafarari, and uh, the Ferrari. Let's take a look at the Ferrari here. I mean, tell me what you guys think. It's obviously a big scarlet red car, which is exactly what we would expect. Um, the, um, but as far as the, I don't know, I'm just thinking about what this car, you know, the evolution of the, what this car could do and what the expectations are. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is Lewis Hamilton coming there next year. And I think that, Yes, they've done all the hard work. They've they've changed the arrow a little bit. They've evolved the car for 2024. But just the fact that this team knows that Lewis Hamilton is coming. What do you guys think? I think that is I think that could easily lift the team, right? I mean, I mean we're looking at some images now online together. Uh, you know, flash up the the image of uh Carlos Sainz. Man, don't you know that? Oh, did you guys see where uh, where Frederick Vasseur said that that conversation with Carlos Sainz was one of the hardest ones he's ever had? But, I, you know, of course it was. I don't blame him for saying that. But don't you know Carlos Sainz? I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll end up at Mercedes. And, I mean, that's, uh, you know, everybody wants to be at Ferrari. But if you're not going to be at Ferrari, Mercedes is definitely on that short list. But, um, but yeah, I think that that was, that was not a good day for Carlos Sainz and, and considering how fast that all came to be because the rumor mill was not working so good on that one. Was it guys, guys and gals? Um, all right, well, let's, let's move on. We're going to move through these pretty quick. And that was Tuesday. We saw the Ferrari and on Wednesday we got to see the Mercedes and, you know, I think that. I'm going to save my my rankings, but I like the Mercedes. I like the look. Um, and I'm just thinking about the, you know, they had, <laughs> clearly they had uh, moved towards Red Bull, the Red Bull design, right? With the shape of the the air inlets and the pods and everything. But, um, but I do like the traditional silver returning plus the green, you know, Patronus or Petronas, however you guys, however they say it, depending on what country you're sitting in. But, man, uh, I, I keep thinking, going back to Lewis Hamilton, you got to figure that they, you know, they're, they're kind of torn, right, with Hamilton. He's leaving, the, he's leaving the team at the end of the year. But, but you still have Lewis Hamilton, and you have a, a, a very evolved car from last year, especially from two years ago, and... I mean, you've, if you've got Lewis Hamilton and you've got the resources of Mercedes, you always have a shot at the championship. And and we'll come back to this topic because I want to talk about Red Bull here in a sec here. And, and you know, when we saw that car, Red Bull, it was kind of scary thinking about the dominance they had last year. But, but, um, but yeah, Mercedes, I think it's a great-looking car, and let's see what happens. And... And going back to the topic of Lewis Hamilton, though, if you, you you've got that car and you and you want him, you want Lewis Hamilton to do great, 
And let's, you know, uh, let's not forget that George Russell's waiting in the wings, a, an amazing driver. And, and I still, I do think that Hamilton outdrove Russell last year, but, um, but I'm just thinking if they get towards the end of the year, are they going to start having meetings without Lewis Hamilton as they get closer to next year? I would think that might happen. What do you guys think? Um, all right, let's move on to the McLaren. The McLaren was the trickiest one to me because the the images that they first put out, of course, you know, the car got on track later, but the images that they first put out were really dark and you only had certain angles and you couldn't see all the parts and pieces and and all the technical gurus were having trouble analyzing the car, but it does look fantastic. Man, McLaren has just been killing it on the, the last few designs. I'm sure Andy Peel agree with that. Let's check and see if he's out there going. Uh, let's see what you guys have to say about some of these liveries. Um, let me go back a little bit. Uh, Ferrari took inspiration from the 499P sports car. Yeah, that's interesting, David. Uh, yep, I think I, I, I could agree with that. Uh, Andy P said Ferrari teasing us with a two-minute video at 2 a.m. Does look cool, though. Uh, let's see, James Vincent, more yellow in the livery. Um, yeah, Andy P says Merck did nail that livery. It is very cool. I'm glad you said that, Andy. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, I just gut reacted when I saw it. I was like, wow, that does look good. But, um, James Vincent likes the silver nose. And Andy P on McLaren. He, me thinks McLaren is definitely hiding certain things. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Even the shakedown run had some interesting camera angles. Yeah, and and Andy, what about those first few images? It was like, especially the 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 promo video, which was almost worthless. Actually, the one they put out, I was like, that's it. You you had gave me 65 seconds of flashing lights and about. 10 seconds of the car and it was, I think it was a single angle. So that was not really great, but, uh, all right. On YouTube, the wood source says is red pool trolling Merck and others. Yeah. Adrian adds the Merck elements that the Merck removed and probably perform even better. This is going to be really fascinating guys, but, but, uh, all right, well, let's talk about, let's keep moving down. Let's talk about the Red Bull. So I think Casey's going to get the images up for us, but, the Red Bull car itself, I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, and did you guys see that video of it going around in the wet? I don't even know. I don't, it was just some somebody standing in the stands with a cell phone that probably wasn't even supposed to be there. But not only did it look crazy fast, it sounded, it had some weird sounds going on. I, I didn't get Casey to get a clip of that, but it was interesting. But the car itself... Um, just looks like an evolution and it looks like they did have plenty of time, which they did last year because they were so far ahead of everybody. All they had to do was, you know, stand pat with, you know, the car they, they came out of the gate with probably could have just dominated the entire season. And I'm not sure how much evolution they did. I know they brought a upgrade or two, but, but this year, this 2024 car looks like, you know, it could be, devastating but none of us know we won't know next week we have testing right and by the end of testing i mean if it's like last year by the end of testing we had a pretty good pretty good run at this right we had a pretty good um a pretty good idea of where everybody was going to end up so with 
with Red Bull this year, though, I mean, it looks scary good. I hate to say that. But, and not that I'm not a fan of Red Bull, I, I don't really have a dog in the hunt right now. In fact, you know, I used to be pretty gung-ho on the Haas team, and I'm a little, uh, just, I don't know, I'm a little unenamored with Haas team right now, just, you know. I mean, it's not just like because they let Gunther go or something. I just, I think it, I think it stems from the Andretti thing. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I'm still having a really hard time with getting over that. I keep going through scenarios where this is a good thing. Like I remember when the Haas team launched, and they decided to wait one year, and it was a really smart move. They came out of the gate great, right? But I don't know. This just feels different to me. So. There's lots of things brewing, it feels like. I feel like that rift between the FIA and Formula One, FOM, and all that, I, I don't know. But but going back to Red Bull, what I'm, getting, what I'm getting at is, so we can say, ah, this thing looks incredible, but we don't know, which means we, we, don't, we have no idea if they're going to come out of the gate and dominate like they did last year, or are we going to get a surprise? Are we going to get a surprise from... Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, and and I don't say that in any particular order because we just don't know, right? We have no idea. So, I mean, and, and uh, I I did like a couple of the quotes from Verstappen. He uh, he said when he saw the initial drawings, he said, "Wow, that's quite different in a way," and quite and he said he was quite happy with the direction, but everybody said it was really bold because Red Bull could have just evolved the car a little bit, right? Made some pretty evolutionary, not revolutionary changes and probably been, you know, at least fighting for the championship still, maybe not as dominant as they were last year, but who knows what's going to happen. But that's, to me, that's the saving grace of Formula One. Every year we don't know because somebody may have stumbled across some aerodynamic little tweak or some other you know, or something secretive. McLaren's being awfully secretive. Maybe they've come up with something that that none of us have thought of. Like, uh, like, well, what was it, Mercedes? The dual axis steering when you pulled on the steering wheel and changed the 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 camber of the of the front wheels, which was very amazing and simple. So who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back. We're going to play that segment that Jonathan and I did because there's lots going on down there in New Zealand. Yes, and your Sunday night with Speed City back after this. All right, we're still live on YouTube, Facebook. Let me check Facebook. Anybody's going on out there? All right, let's see. Let's see. No comments on Facebook. I usually don't monitor it. People don't get out there. All right, let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. David Lawrence, Red Bull is going to be quite something, but never question Adrian Newey. Yes, I agree with that. By the way, David, we, Jonathan and I, uh, we talked about Christian Horner in this end of this little 15, 20 minutes that Jonathan and I did. And you will like, all of us will like it because it's, I mean, Adrian Newey is, is one of the superstars of the sport that that maybe the drive to survive crowd doesn't know about yet, but all of us know that really, I mean, it's Adrian Newey is as much a part of, of the, some of the most dominant teams in Formula One ever. So, so yes. All right, here we go. Coming back.
Hi, this is Karun Chandok and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, I got a couple more comments on YouTube I want to read. Um, David has another good one. It says, all these cars are wild cards until we get past Bahrain. Very true. Andy P says, you would think that last season was such a statistical deviation with one car that dominant. That's what I'm telling myself. Hello. Yeah, we're all telling ourselves that, Andrew except for those diehard Red Bull fans, and they're going, what are you talking about? It's great. It's perfect. Everything is just perfect. Kevin Kelly says, remember the teams don't need to run a legal car, in testing that is. David Lawrence, ah, yes, the New Zealand Grumpy coming up. Yeah. And Bathurst, I, I actually, I didn't get to watch Bathurst. I had planes, trains, and automobiles this weekend. I went out to see my daughter out, and uh, she's going to University of Georgia. They had daddy-daughter weekend, and I course you have to fly into atlanta where bob lives so bob and i had we actually had uh a, basically a quick coffee in the airport i texted him i said where are you and he said i'm in uh concourse c i said so am i we were about three gates down so we sat because he was headed out to extreme e that's why he didn't was going to have him join us tonight because jonathan was not going to be available but so he was out to do extreme e so we hung out and by the way i uh, i did a touro instead of doing the usual thing when you rent a car from the big guys and you get there and your car's not ready. So I didn't even risk it. I just did a Turo and I, I, uh, I said, I'm not going to go crazy with the price. I said, I'm going to cap it at a hundred bucks a day. I was only going to be out there a couple days really. So, uh, the, the best thing I could find, I rented a Cadillac CT five. It wasn't the V of course, <laughs> that would have been 500 bucks a day. And it wasn't the, uh, the V Sport that the four is, but this was a twin turbo V6, all wheel drive, made about 350 horsepower, but made like 400 and something foot pounds of torque. And man, that thing was a highway cruiser. I got out on the interstate between Athens and, and Atlanta, and that thing was very, very nice. I did not get a ticket. I did get a parking ticket while I was out there. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Jonathan and I sat down about an hour ago, and we talked about the New Zealand Grand Prix, and we talked about Christian Horner. So let's hear that now. Jonathan Green, you're down in New Zealand, as you have been, what, for five, six weeks now? And you guys have wrapped it all up. Super exciting weekend, it sounds like. Yeah, we wrapped it all up uh, yesterday. Uh, three races over the weekend at the famous Highlands Motorsport Park. The first time ever uh, that they've held the New Zealand Grand Prix. And it was the 68th running of the Grand Prix. So that gives you some indication wow. of the history involved. They started running it in 1950, and they have a trophy that has lasted that long. And um, <laughs> the likes of Jack Brabham and Sterling Moss and Graham Hill and Jackie Stewart. One? Huh? You gave out the first one? The first trophy? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I was there for the first one, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, the, 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 his, the story... The history behind this thing, the it's just amazing, the name, like you were going through there. Yeah, and what's interesting about it is it's not just um it's not it's not just a we don't just doff our caps to the history. It it kind of continues because the history of that trophy and the reason for having a new a New Zealand Grand Prix goes back to 1950. And like I said, all the famous six world Formula One champions won it in their time. And obviously in 68 years, a lot of others have won it. Um, but back then, um, it was a winter series called the Tasman Series, um, and it invited all of those famous drivers when they weren't driving in their European season to come down to New Zealand and race. So that's why we got these household names. 
uh, and, and pitted them up against the best Australians and the best Kiwis. So that was the tradition. Uh, and in some ways, the Toyota Gazoo Racing uh, Series um, kind of continues that because instead of having Formula One superstars, we have the up-and-coming stars of the future. So it's all teenagers, um, pretty much, but they're all on their way to either Indy or Formula One. And um, it's been a tradition that now is 19 years old with Toyota. Uh, and we give out the same prizes that have the names of those famous famous names uh, from the past. Well, I know that you've been doing this a long time, and it's uh, it's really amazing. And like you said, all the history going way back, but even recent history, we talked about some of the the names that have gone to Formula One, Lando Norris and Lance Stroll and others. But but let's get to today because we had what? How many Americans? Eight, nine? Well, in, in total, we had nine um, in that we Patrick Woodstock, obviously the Canadian, but he is the American champion uh, of Formula Four. So one Canadian and then a bunch of uh, Americans. And we had two Indy Lights, Indy Next drivers, Jacob Abel, who was third in the championship last year, no, well known to the show, um, and will be racing in Indy Next again for his third season. And the new, the new face in town, Bryce Aaron, who's been racing most of his career in Europe in GB, uh, in uh, Formula Open uh, and for Carling and High Tech and a few other teams. He was also uh, Jeremy Shaw. Uh, USA scholarship driver. Um, but Bryce uh, came down and both he and Abel did the last six races. And while that sounds a little odd, i.e. the last two rounds, they had an IndyCar test just before that, which basically they well, they needed to do to test the tires. But now they've got something like a thousand miles under their belt before they head to St. Pete in two weeks. Wow. Now, Bryce, Aaron, why do I associate his name with Andretti? Because he is an Andretti Global. He's just signed for Andretti Global in yeah. Indy Next. And, and so he's one of three drivers in that team. And um, <clears throat> uh, our American champion, Callum Hedge, who's also a Kiwi uh, and was runner-up in this championship last year, uh, will be up against him. He came back for the Grand Prix as well, had a good result, uh, got a second place uh, and a first and a third place. <clears throat> um, but it was a, you know, a, a good welcome return for him. So we had three Indy Next drivers. Uh, we had several um, European cool. drivers from Freca. Uh, we had a uh, F1 Academy driver from Alpine um, in a young Italian uh, named uh, Nicola uh, Lacorte, uh, who will be driving once again in Freca. Uh, but the big story was our man of the moment, uh, Roman Belinsky. Uh, well, hey, before you jump into... Talking about Roman, um, the Freca is that's the Formula Regional European Championship. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, there are six uh, regional uh, Formula Regional uh, Championships, one in America, one in New Zealand, uh, and then Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine. So hence the moniker Freca. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like, well, that's like, that's the same as we have here, the, the regional, like you said, here in the United yeah. States. But it's, and there's one in Japan as well. And it's Formula Three, basically. Yeah. To be honest, uh, to, to make it clear, it's, it's a bit confusing because they've only the FIA have only just done this in the last two years. Um, but yeah, it's basically uh, an amalgamation of all the national Formula Three championships, and then the one above that is FIA F3, of which we had three drivers from that as well. Well, talk about Romain. Yeah, great kid, really good kid, and kind of uh, a bit of an unknown. Um, he hadn't really done much. He's eighteen years old. 
Um, he, uh, he, he emanates originally from Poland, hence the name, Belinsky. Um, and, but he grew up in England. So he's as much as an Englishman as, as you can imagine. Um, and in fact, uh, left Poland when he was 13, uh, went to school in England. His father's English, his mother's English. Um, but of course they have their roots in Poland. So he's taken the Polish, uh, flag as it were, as, as his moniker, uh, and, and, and wants to represent. And that's good because there's only been other, one other great Polish, uh, driver. And that is Robert Kobica. Uh, who, of course, made it to yeah. Formula One. So smart move on his part. His mum was involved in motor racing as well back in the day. Um, but um, fresh off the fresh off the boat, if you if you like, because he was in Freca last year. In fact, he will uh, drive again for Trident, uh, the Italian team, and his teammate will be one of the other guys that was down here, the Alpine driver I told you about, Nicola Lacorte. Lacorte actually only did three rounds because he wants to stay as a rookie. But Roman did the whole championship and very much dominated. He was amazingly, and that's the first championship. He did Ginetta's F4 in the UK. But this was his first sort of um, breakout championship. And he won six races in all and made the most places up, 41, and dominated, absolutely dominated. We'll talk about all, you know, the the because there was the the uh, New Zealand Grand Prix and the championship and all the standings and all that kind of, I know you don't, you don't know all of them off the top of your head, but get us up to speed across. Yeah, no, the- um, to, to be honest, like I said, um, what happened? Go- so each round, five rounds, there are three races, each point scoring races, uh, one lesser scoring race, which is the second race where we do a reverse grid. So um, there's 35 points for a win. Uh, and then in the reverse kid, 20 points for a win. So each weekend there are 90 points up for grabs. And why that's important is that the winner, which was Roma, gets 18 super license points. And if you know, 40 points makes you a Formula One eligible driver. Um, it's a huge haul in five weeks. So it means that you can go back to Europe, potentially win another championship if you're lucky, and literally be knocking on the door of a reserve driver for Formula One. Uh, and so in that respect, uh, the preeminence of it is huge. Yeah. Um, and so we came into the last weekend with Roman uh, 56 points ahead of his teammate, Liam Skeets, who was um, runner up in Japan in um, the Formula Regional Championship. Skeets is from Auckland in New Zealand. So it was the Kiwi up against uh, the Brit stroke pole. And they were teammates um, and they were good friends, actually, but big rivals. And basically, Roman really just needed to defend uh, that 56 point lead he had and, and keep beating uh, Liam Skeets. Skeets did a, a, an amazing job, to be fair, and actually won the 68th uh, New Zealand Grand Prix, which was an accolade for any Kiwi uh, and any driver. Uh, and he's yet to be declared where he's racing this season. He wants to come to America. <laughs> That's his hope. So you, you, you may see reading, another Callum Hedge type guy coming to America. You're reading my mind. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Where's where everybody going to go? Yeah. Well, Roman's going back to Frecker. Um, he's doing his third season season with um, the Italian team. Um, and the, I guess at 18, the hope is he'll do the last season there and get to FIA F3 if the money works. Um, we've got several drivers uh, looking to come to the Formula Regional Americas Championship. Uh, in fact, um, Woods Toth, uh, Jake Bernier of San Antonio, Jet Bowling, who received uh, the best uh, improved driver uh, from Dallas, Texas. 
uh, and Landon Matriano, Lim from Shreveport, Louisiana, all will be driving in Formula Regional Americas after their experience in Formula Regional New Zealand here. Um, and so that five weeks has worked out perfectly for them. And so they will hit the ground running in April at NOLA. Wow, that's awesome. Well, uh, what else are we missing from this championship, Jonathan? Anything? I mean, like you said early on, or we touched on it, that the number of Americans is really, I mean, it's un beyond unprecedented. I mean, with eight Americans, the most I ever remember you talking about, it wasn't that long ago when it, we were lucky to get one or two. That's right. Uh, if you remember, we've had uh, a few down there uh, over the years. Ryan Sheehan, the most recent, um, and who was runner up in the FR Championship, didn't make it down. He's from Austin, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, the, 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 the wind has changed, so to speak, because um, there are a few options in the winter now. There is the MRF Championship in um, India. Uh, there is the Formula Regional Middle East Championship, which runs at exactly the same time. Um, they had more entries, um, and you could argue that it's more prestigious in that respect, but they only do two circuits. They only do um, Abu Dhabi and um, uh, Dubai. So um, in that respect, I don't think there's as much, um, and they do, they, do three, they do 15 races, but they swap between those two venues. Uh, and obviously the weather is fairly stable there. Um, whereas with us, you've got five rounds um, in very different circumstances at very different venues. And we had a lot of different weather to throw at them, had a lot of rain, a lot of wind. And so in terms of a challenge, I, I actually think it's more so. Uh, and I think for the Americans, and I don't need to put any political slant on it, but Americans prefer to be in a country where they speak the language uh, they can enjoy the background, and New Zealand is without doubt one of the most beautiful places in the world as a backdrop. Where they, everybody speaks English, obviously. Um, and so I think it, it it's become a go-to for Americans for a lot of reasons. Uh, those those reasons I've just mentioned, but also because it's such a great um, training ground for the season ahead, With especially for the indie guys, uh, the season starting just in two weeks' time. So, you know, all of those uh, indie lights guys will be able to hit the ground running at pace. Uh, I mean, Jake able to give you an example. Um, it's his third season in, in Formula Next. He was first and second in the Laguna Seca test, came down, has done six races, uh, including a podium um, down here in New Zealand, and now goes back and literally in 10 days, he'll be on the grid. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he podiums there in any next because he's so far ahead of the rest of the field in terms of track time. Wow. Well, uh, I mean, I know this, you guys have wrapped it all up down there. Um, and I mean, any final thoughts for the season there, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I, I really do think we're going through it. You know, we've come through the pandemic. Uh, like everybody, we had to sort of do it remotely um, back in 21 and 22. Uh, 23 was kind of, you know, a return to normal in, in many ways um, because we got a good full international field. Um, I think we'd like to get more. I think now the floodgates are open and uh, before I sort of say one uh, the reasons I've given for the Americans, I, I should state that the other big reason is one of the teams, Kiwi Motorsport, are the top team in American FIA single-seater racing in the USA. They've won F4 and FR titles multiple times, which is why they took their F4 drivers down there. So one of the other major driving forces is Gary Orton and Tina Larson, based in Dallas, Texas, who run the Kiwi Motorsport team uh, and once again will be taking on the American Championship 
with a view to taking the best down there afterwards. Um, but a name you must remember uh, for the future is Patrick Woods Toth. He's our current American F4 champion. He will start the FR America's championship. He's from Canada and unfortunately doesn't have the silver spoon of a Stroll or a Latifi, but has absolutely the same talent, if not more. Mm, wow. Well, we'll keep an eye on him. And, and any of these guys, these young kids, have they talked about, you know, we, we always ask the question, where do you want to go? Do they want to go to Formula One or IndyCar? And they're, and, and clearly the number one goal for most of these guys, these young kids, I call them, is that they want to be paid professional drivers. But are there any of them that, you know, are are really focused on particular series that you think they'll end up in? I mean, interestingly, um, I think the more realistic goal will be Indy for most of them. I think Roman Belinsky, now he's hit the headlines at 18 um, and he's in Europe at the moment. Uh, Funnily enough, the winner of his championship last year was um, Kimi Antonelli, who, of course, is now the Mercedes driver uh, in F2, but has skipped F3 and everybody's talking about as a possible replacement for Lewis Hamilton at Mercedes. Um, so he's he's run, running in the right right shot. You know, he's running, rubbing shoulders with the right folks. Um, the Kiwis want to come to America because obviously we've got so many greats, uh, McLaughlin, Scott Dixon, and now Van Gisbergen uh, in NASCAR. So there's a lot of thought process there. And there's a lot of Kiwis um, that have managed drivers and, and run teams. Uh, Steve Horn, for example, manages Callum Hedge. Hedge is now in Indy Next and on his way to IndyCar. So, um, yeah, I think certainly the Kiwis look towards America realistically. But it's obviously the likes of Lawson um, who make it through to Formula One. But the more obvious path, I think, is Indy. And that's where Marcus Armstrong has ended up, having come through TRS as well. Mm. Well, fantastic. Um, I know you're uh, happy with doing, being able to do that series, and uh, but you're on your way back here to the United States pretty quick, aren't you? Yep. Are you coming back tomorrow? Yeah, you're in the airport now, but you're not on the way back to the States yet. I got one more night in Auckland, seeing some friends. Uh, it's my birthday tomorrow. Yay. And <laughs> I'm going to make my birthday 48 hours because obviously I'm a day ahead of you. It's Monday here. Uh, so while you, you enjoy Sunday, I'll let you know what happens on Monday. Um, but um, I'm flying on my birthday and I will arrive back on my birthday 24 hours later. So there you go. I'll be absolutely exhausted. And then I'm just for fun. I'm going to go to Sebring to do Trans Am. Why not? <laughs> Uh, and then back to Austin for Formula One, man. We're two weeks out. Can you f- believe it? Yep, I know. I <laughs> Right into Formula One. And I guess, well, that's a good segue to talk about Formula One. Um, what's happening? <laughs> well, we've had a few car launches this week, Jonathan. And I mean, it, it was actually a great week. We had Aston Martin, Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren, and Red Bull. And of course, we had, you know, a continuation of the Christian Horner story, and uh, what what's your take on that? Uh, you know, it's interesting because when I've watched the interviews, Sky Sports has done a bunch of interviews. And when I watch them, he does not look comfortable. He does not look, you know, it, it, in America, it's like you will deny it, whatever it is, until you're proven guilty vehemently. And And I know Christian is a little more reserved naturally, but he seems reserved and he definitely seems concerned which he should no matter what no matter what this what happened whether it's a a a completely false allegation or whether he or whether he did something that was not as bad as what the claim is the allegations 
but he does not look comfortable in answering these questions. And he's really towing the the line of he's repeating the same line over and over where he basically says, I deny any accusations that have been made against me. Kind of he, he used that line to the multiple different questions. So, I mean, and of course his lawyer is going to tell him to do that too, but it, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't really know what to think because, you know, nobody knows, but there's, there's more to it than nothing is what it feels like to me. Yeah. And to me as a journalist, the way it was dropped, uh, often a Chris Medland or, or somebody like that will find out something from somebody will get a, uh, you know, uh, get a little tip uh, and then put it out in the press um, if they can verify it with a second source. But this wasn't done that way. This came from Red Bull. So that's why I've right, been saying right. it's it's not a hit job, but I, I just feel like this is something, I mean, you know, if, if that's the case and it hasn't come from the media, then why don't you make a phone call from Austria or from Thailand and say, hey, is this true? We really need to deal with this. Otherwise, it's going to go public. And instead, it's gone the other way. It's gone public before even Horner is aware of it. And and I feel that that's why I'm calling it a bit of a hit job, is that somebody seems to be out to to, to uh, undermine his power within the team. And of course, there since uh, Dietrich Masterich um, passed away two years ago, obviously there's you know there's new power at the helm. Um, there are three parties running Red Bull Racing. And that is the, the owners, uh, part owners, uh, 51% owners, Red Bull themselves in Thailand, who invented the drink in the first place. There is Austria, who marketed it uh, and made the Formula One team. And then there is Formula One themselves, run by Christian Horner, who incidentally is not a shareholder in Red Bull. He is an employee of the Red Bull Formula One race team which makes him precarious in that respect if uh, an allegation like this is forced upon him. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm smelling an inside job here of somebody saying we want to change the shift of power, whether it's Helmut Marko, whether it's the new head of Red Bull, or whether it's the old owners who are, you know, uh, despite the fact that they just had the most successful year in their history, um, have had enough of, of Christian. I don't know. And I, I find it odd. Well, I, I think he, he, you're spot on uh, with what they've been saying on Sky and everywhere else is that it just feels like there's that vacuum, that power vacuum after Dietrich has passed away. And, you know, and and I think there's there's been some discussion of, of various rifts between not only Christian Horner and Helmut Marco, which I think has been a little more well-known. Now there's even some claims of a rift between Max Verstappen and uh, anyway, there's a lot of that's just rumors, but I, I, the one thing that I do know is that I, I disagree with something that Horner said, because he said that it has uh, it's it's been a mild distraction or something to that effect. But I, I think that this could be a, a huge distraction. Yeah, you get Max behind the wheel and he's going to be laser focused. Right. But, you know, what about. You know, there's too much of this. This could go so deep, right? If if Horner gets ousted, that team's going to be without its only his. He's been there since the beginning of Red Bull yeah. for 20 yeah. years. So you can't I mean, tell it, me, it, it, yeah, this won't have uh, a major effect across the board. Well, and as I said on the show last weekend, um, already there is with the shift of Hamilton, there is rumors 
that Adrian Newey may consider going to Ferrari. He's yeah. been tried to be coaxed there several times. Um, you know, he and Horner have built this team. If there is a vacuum at the top or there is some sort of rudderless feel to what Red Bull are doing with the RB20 uh, and they don't start the season, um, the, the house of cards could could fall. Yeah, and, you know, this could be everything. If this if this were to happen, if if Horner were to be ousted, you could have sponsors leaving, you know, because that's the first thing that, you know, when you have a a a uh, an allegation or or something that comes true like this that has a, in a sexual nature like that, that that's been kind of alluded to, you know, sponsors are going to go running for the hills potentially. So that, could, yeah. you know, and that could have a huge impact. I mean, and just the distraction, right? They are a well-oiled machine right now. I mean, let's face uh, yeah. it, they, they've been working the route- on the 24 car for way longer than everybody else. We we really, and the car looks very interesting. We we really expected them to come in and just pick up where they left off, but this could change that. Yeah, and, and in a footnote, if it is of a sexual nature, God help him with a Spice Girl on his tail. God. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. I saw a news story uh, coming out of Hollywood. One of the Hollywood I didn't click it. I was looking for. But it was it was a Hollywood reporter saying uh, husband of Spice Girl is, you know, being, you know, uh, accused of things. And so, yes, it's a it's a whole different story from a different angle. So, yeah, she was the she was the Taylor Swift of her time. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you mentioned Adrian Newey. It uh, it wouldn't be the first time that Adrian Newey has been tempted by Ferrari because no, you, you know. So I mean, that would be crazy if all of a sudden we had Lewis Hamilton and Adrian Newey at Ferrari next year. I, I I really do believe it. I mean, if you think about why Schumacher did what he did at Ferrari and how he did it, um, that's what he did. He gathered the very best and took them with him to Ferrari. Uh, and there is a nostalgia about winning with Ferrari. Um, and in every person's career, whether you be a designer, a racing driver or a mechanic, uh, there is that sort of desire to be with the most iconic name in motor racing sometime in your career. Mm. Hey, I want to go back to a couple of questions that the BBC asked. I, I, I put these in some notes here and the BBC asked him, can you guarantee you have never behaved inappropriately towards a colleague? And he paused for a moment and then he answered with the same pat answer where he said, I deny any accusations that have been made against me. And I know that's what he has to say. It's just, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm reading into that. He he did go on to say how the shareholders are supporting him right now. The team is unified right now, but it, it just feels like there's something there. And I, I that's all I can say is it, do, it doesn't feel like nothing. Bottom line is he's in trouble. Uh, I know you've got, how much time do you have before you got to catch your flight? Uh, well, they're lining up now, so I better go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I saw you looking over your shoulder. All right. Well, Green, we'll see you when you get back to Austin in what, about 10 days? <laughs> All right. Bye. Have a good show. Yeah, Jonathan, he was sitting in the airport, and as you could hear, he was about to get on his flight. So, all right, and Jonathan is actually joining us again. He just got off of the airplane. He's going to join us here in a couple of minutes, but let's get a quick break in, and we'll continue right after this. All right, we'll start live on YouTube and Facebook, and uh, let's see. Is, is Jonathan joining us now, Casey, or...? 
Anyway, let me look at the comments. Can you here. hear me? Yeah, we got you, Jenny. All right. I'm looking at the well, comments on YouTube. Because I'm going through my minutes by the second. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, let's see. I'll have a big expense account. Hey, a uh, couple people oh, wishing wait. you happy I birthday, by the way. Mike Bowles says happy birthday. Oh, that's nice. Andy P says happy oh. birthday. Uh, somebody else did too. Andy P says the yeah, uh, people, people like my dad think that, 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 that they actually know that your birthday. They don't. He doesn't think it's Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows it's his birthday. He says like a hundred like, people. Believe it. The, the internet's just blown up. And I was like, well, yeah, Dad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Andy P says the New Zealand Grand Prix had quite the ending. Glad everyone was okay. Said, David said he saw a big flip. You didn't even talk about that. Yep. Everybody okay? I did not. I, <laughs> yes, thankfully everybody's okay. But it was a Kristen City Pally moment. Yeah. Um, basically, Bryce Aaron. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back to your Sunday night with Speed City. John Massengill in the studio in Austin, Texas, and Jonathan Green joining me from New Zealand. Jonathan, I, I don't even know where you were going from where to where. I, I'm in Auckland now. This is like this is like Annika Rice chasing the, the treasure, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm in Auckland <laughs> now, and I'm looking for a house. <laughs> <laughs> looking for a but place no, to stay? I, I'm in the car. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that will take me, basically. I have wine. <laughs> <laughs> have wine. We'll uh, we'll pay for a room. Uh, hey, Johnny, yeah. let's let's see what uh, a couple people were saying on YouTube while ago. Because Max Godfrey says he thinks the sexual allegations are BS, just fake news trying to blow things out of proportion. I do think he's a tough boss, and generations these days are soft. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, you, that's a good point. You literally work for a top team. Um, Kevin Kelly, interesting take on this. He says Ford might even dump Red Bull. I'm assuming that he means if that, uh, if the allegations were proven true, uh, Mike Bowles, what will Adrian do? Yeah. Nobody knows. Uh, and then David Lawrence says exactly that. Nobody knows what Red Bull are going to do except those in Austria and Red Bull headquarters. Like I said, from the beginning, you'll, uh, I think you'll stay, but you never know. Yep. So, yep, there's another birthday from James Vincent to you, Greeny. But, uh, well, John that's nice. Yep. Jonathan, I wanted to, I don't know how much, you know, you. I know you've been on the microphones all weekend, but I um, I was going to try to run down some of these, these deliveries. Now that we have all 10 liveries out for 2024, I wanted to, you know, I was going to rank them, and I guess that's what I'm going to do. And I was going to put them in just my personal um, preference, let's just say. And you know what? I think the one, if it's just livery, just livery, nothing else, it's the steak car, that bright green car. And and I don't know if I'm just saying it's just something that I really love or it's just that I'm thinking this is going to be really cool to see it on the, on the track. But I like that one. I think that was that was my favorite. And and if I go down from there, I I really I really liked um, the other strange name. The, the what did we decide we're going to call the RB card? The the cash app v, Visa Carb. Yeah, V Carb. That's it. That's it. The V Carb car. Um, and then I was. I think I'm going to choose the McLaren after that. Then the Mercedes after that. Yeah, I like the McLaren. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a, a proliferation of uh, carbon fiber because they want it to be lightweight. Right. And as far as who used that? That's one thing. Who used that the best? I'll well, go back to steak. Done. There's a lot more black on all of the cars. Well, I'm just saying who used it the best, and I'm going back to steak because the, the car has a, a lot of bare carbon, right? A lot of non-painted areas, but that green is so bright it so just pops. So you're saying the steak is well done. The steak is well done. <laughs> Let me see if the comments are are grilling me, by the way, because nobody's oh, saying anything okay. ab- about my, <laughs> about my choice of the state car. Uh, let's see what else. Let's see the 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 rest of them. Um, oh, I was debating on um, on the Williams car. I always I just like that Duracell gimmick i think yeah it's i great. think the williams car still stands out to me and i love that to yourself yeah logo that's one of the cleverest um plate placements i think i've ever seen right and i do like the red bull car with kind of the throwback right yep i mean yeah and i can't tell if i like it i, or... I like the i like the rear ducks of the red bull i like those little it'll be a shame if it sat there in the rain because you'll get pools in there but uh, at speed yeah it'll be good yeah and and i was just about to say i can't tell if i'm saying that i like the red bull car livery or if it's just that the car the aerodynamics of it are jumping out at me too because it does look i mean it it just it looks a lot different from the rest of the cars i mean it looks and and my mind is telling me it looks faster (laughs) (laughs) there you go my brain cfd program right Um, because you had 23 chances to see it go fast last year (laughs) And, you know, I, I do like the Haas car. I, I, I'm ranking it below the others. And where does that leave me? Um, the Alpine and the Aston Martin. I mean, I, yeah, I guess the Aston Martin because it just does. It kind of looks the same as last year. It's not like I don't like it, though. It just looks the same as last year. So I think I got them all. Yeah, I'm just running Well, I'm through. glad I could help. <laughs> well, I just, wanted, I just wanted to see if you... Agreed or strongly agreed or disagreed with any of those? No, I, I think you're spot on with all of that. I still like the McLaren. Yeah, McLaren's way up there. Um, oh, here's I just did a quick search, and uh, racefans.net has a poll, and here's what the poll said: it was 142 volts votes, and it said Ferrari first with 42 percent of the vote. Wait a minute, this seems this seems like the a, a fixed. Gig is up here. And then Mercedes second with 14%. And Salver third. Aston Martin fourth. No, uh, Mercedes fourth. Aston Martin fifth. And let's see. Red Bull next. Then, oh, excuse me, McLaren, then Red Bull. And then Williams. And uh, the RB car and the Haas both got... Tied for last with 1% of those. So I'm just, I, you know, I, I guess it shouldn't surprise me with Ferrari's overall popularity, but I just didn't think it, I, I like it. I just didn't think it was, it jumped out at me. It, it was just another big red Ferrari, right? Hey, Greeny, are you still there? Because I want to ask you about Jack Crawford. Did we lose Greeny? Oh, uh, you, you're muted. I'm right John. here. You, you're muted, buddy. Hey, what do you think about this Jack Crawford story? And uh, I know you've seen this, but I thought that was a pretty cool story. He's joining the Aston Martin F1 Young Driver Program. What do you think? No, I lost you. 
I think you keep I muting. Think it's a fantastic idea because okay. he was going to get lost at Red Bull. Uh, and, you know, I've just been with Liam Lawson, who is the only survivor, if you will, because he's got five races under his belt. But with such a big junior a program, anybody in that junior program could could lose, you know, could lose their chance at Formula One, whereas Jack Crawford's jumped ship or has been forced to jump ship. And I think with Aston Martin, given, I mean, it depends how you look at it. Alonso can't live forever. And Stroll, obviously, is going to be eventually the number one driver unless dad gets bored of him. Mm. So he's in the right place to get at least a, a shot at being part of Formula One. That's my take on it. He may not stay there, but he's part of Aston Martin. He's part of Mercedes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think that was a brilliant. I hadn't thought of that. That's a brilliant a take because you're absolutely right. I mean, he's going to get ground up and spit out by the Red Bull. Well, he already did, I guess. So, and yeah. and he's got a chance at Aston Martin. They said he's going to get testing okay. opportunities in the two-year-old AMR22 and simulator yeah. time at the big Aston Martin Technology Campus. And yep. he's going to dovetail that with Formula Two with the uh, the, with the Dams team, the DMS team. And, and, and remember, Red Bull don't have a, a WEC team or a, a sports car team. Think about the operations whereby if Jack doesn't make it to Formula One, he could be doing IMSA with Aston Martin. He could be doing Daytona with Aston Martin. He could be doing Le Mans with Aston Martin. Yep. And he's 18. Yep. I so, was, you say, yeah, he's young. He's got a, a bright future. So... Where is he from? I can't remember. He, I know he is living in Houston. Houston. But yeah, Houston, Texas, baby. I, I was thinking he was born somewhere else. But yeah, I knew he, he was down in Houston. I knew that his dad was down there. I think his dad's in the home building business or something. Well, that's uh, but that was a cool story. I definitely wanted to cover that. Um, I, I wrote some notes down about Lewis Hamilton. I know we just got oh, – we, we're down to – actually, we're down to a minute. I, I, what I One thing I, I – somebody talked about this, but – the uh, the stock price rose enough to pay for Lewis Hamilton. The, with the day that Ferrari announced it, his, the Ferrari stock shot up enough to pay for his for all of his salary. Jonathan, I don't know if you saw that story, but I thought that I was, did. That uh, and the cool. value for Ferrari now has just gone through the roof. And I mean, it it really is an amazing story when you think about it. Um, they are still a small sports car manufacturer in Italy, after all. Um, but look what they punched above their weight. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, the other things I was going to talk about, we don't have much time, but I was just going to say, look, he, he's bringing not just his physical talent and, and the mental side of that, right? All those intangibles. And he brings the knowledge of winning fr from an eight times constructor winning organization. Right. And you know how they talk about it in all sports where you got to teach a team how to win. Right. And I think that just that intangible is just amazing with, with Hamilton. And I think that's worth every penny, but well, yeah. And, and by the way, are we, and boy, look at the other side of the, the fence. How, how good is Charles Leclerc going to be? We're going to get the very best of the yep. best qualifier in the world, better than Lewis, in my opinion. And I say, I hope both of them take the fight to max because that's a real fight. Boom. I like that. That's a good way to end the show. Johnny, thanks for jumping back on with you, buddy. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Sunday night.